Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay. Hello, the Offside Rule returns for another week. We're up to a quarter century worth of programmes, if that's such a thing. Episode 25 today and Kate Borsay here. In charge of the microphone, Lindsay Hooper's away in Russia. She's being looked after by our Russian Premier League expert. You'll hear more from her later on, actually, Kate Partridge. Goodness knows what Lindsay Hooper's going to get up to in Russia. I just hope she returns in one piece. Hayley McQueen joins me as ever, and we're also joined by Laura Williamson from the Daily Mail. It's lovely to have you on, Laura. Let's establish a few football credentials. Of course, you're a football writer and sports writer for the Mail, um, but you're also a Grimsby fan as well. I am, yes. And uh, unfortunately, we um, we lost to Newport County in the uh, playoffs on Sunday. So uh, another season out of the Football League. Um, heartbreaking, but what can you do? Well, you had more than enough years there. 117 years in the Football League. You're going to be playing uh, conference football once again, though. Um, my friend's dad spent some time as director of football at uh, Grimsby, only a short while, and her and her sister went up to support their dad, went up to Blundell Park and said that they'd never quite been anywhere like it. That sounds about right. I've got <laughs> f- fond, fond memories. I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. Home and away for about three or four seasons, and yeah, that was the highlight of my TV. <laughs> sadly enough. Well, from the mighty Mariners to the mighty McQueen, who joins us uh, fresh from the PFA Awards. Congratulations to Gareth Bale, of course. PFA Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year, voted for by his fellow professionals. The talking point before was the Luis Suarez affair and whether he should have still been on that shortlist for the awards. But during the awards ceremony and after the awards ceremony, there was an entirely different news story coming out of that. This is such an awkward one, isn't it? Because they decided to have entertainment. They had these wonderful football freestylers. They had Misha B. It was a really glitzy event. It was celebrating 40 years of the awards of the PFA. And they had a comedian who obviously somebody booked from the PFA thinking, I've seen this guy. I've looked him up. We've seen him on television. He's a funny guy. He's probably going to come out with something slightly controversial, but it might just kind of break the ice and, 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 and help the evening kind of flow along and, you know, just get everybody belly laughing. There weren't any laughs at all, I'm afraid to say. Poor Clark Carlisle, who's come out and unreservedly apologised for the comedian and his language and the, 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 the sketch that he came out with. They obviously didn't expect him to do that. They had said, apparently, that um, they'd given him guidelines. He wasn't supposed to be swearing. He wasn't supposed to be using certain language and what have you. But he maybe thought, the comedian, that, oh, football, big group, thousands of, you know, blokes, they'll all just get stuck in. I can, you know, come out with my humour and hit them with my best. And it just didn't work. Uh, I think we were all just kind of sat there, just mouths open, just wondering what on earth was going on. It didn't get better after that. I think the comedian himself even kind of walked off and shook his head and just said, oh, he made a joke about leaving the stage and saying goodbye. And he said, oh, that's that's the best laugh I've had all night. Well, the mistake's sure not to be repeated there by the PFA. Who knows, maybe they'll scrap the entertainment altogether. Let's tell you what's coming up in this entertaining episode of the Offside Rule podcast. Our first topic, agony and ecstasy. After what happened to, to Brentford and Doncaster in League One at the weekend. And goodness me, uh, Rich, who was uh, working on our social media on Saturday, had a, had a fine old time of it as he was trying to work out who was going up, who was going down. 
down on what the ramifications were. Uh, high drama indeed in League One. So that forms the basis of our topic one, where we're going to describe another moment in football uh, where it's all come down to last minute dramatics. Say what is uh, our topic number two? Perhaps I should give Hayley McQueen the microphone for this thing as she's just come back from America. Say what? Uh, so after the the football managers came out with the usual responses after the weekend's games, you know, we've heard them all before. Um, how inappropriate was it then for Newcastle's Stephen Taylor to say after their defeat, their, their heavy defeat as well, to Liverpool that it felt like a family death? Hmm, maybe crossing the line a bit there. Uh, so we'll talk about some other inappropriate things that are said in football. We've got Faker Others with her non-league roundup. Uh, I'm going to be doing a quick roundup of the FAWSL. No games in that league per se, but a few things to mention there for you. And our final topic, through gritted teeth. Now, this is on the back of uh, Arsenal, who had to give Manchester United players a guard of honour at the weekend. They wouldn't have enjoyed doing that, uh, despite the false smiles on some of the players' faces. Uh, so uh, an example or two, ladies, uh, of when you or when in football uh, you've seen people have to grit their teeth. We've got our Twitter topic of the week. And as I mentioned earlier, Kate Partridge is back with her most excellent Russian Premier League. Uh, don't forget, you can download us every week on SoundCloud. We're also on iTunes. Give us a follow and do message us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. And you can also find us on Facebook as well, The Offside Rule. Hi, I'm Phil Thompson and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Let's just start with a quick recap on the weekend's games because it's very much crunch time. In fact, some of the uh, domestic seasons are over for some leagues. Uh, But in the Premier League, let's talk about this first of all as Liverpool trounced Newcastle. And that won't do very much for Newcastle, will it, in this uh, run-up to the end of the season, Laura? No, they're very, very much back in it. Um, They've got to play Arsenal as well still. I mean, they are... They've been dragged back into it, haven't they? Slowly but surely. Uh, they just haven't been able to get away from that. It's about five points off the it they are, I think, now. Um, it's It just hasn't worked there, has it? With all the French internationals brought in, they've been dreadfully unlucky with injuries. You look at the spine of the team last season that hasn't they haven't been able to play together again. And he's and Alan Pardew sitting on an eight year contract. I mean that was it was sort of raised eyebrows when it happened. Um and now very much so. They're being sucked in. Sunderland after um at the result at Aston Villa. I mean no one I think saw that one coming. I don't think anyone knew Villa could play quite like that. Um so very much in the mix and then um, with Wigan and the FA Cup final. You wonder what factor that will be as well. Yeah, Wigan um, right in it. They could only manage a draw against Tottenham. Of course, that fantastic result on Monday night. Villa 6-1 against Sunderland. Benteke very much ruling the second half there. Hayley, did you catch any of the action at the weekend? I did actually, yeah. I watched Manchester United Arsenal. I also watched Chelsea before that. I watched QPR Reading on Saturday, of course. I was watching Jeff Stelling and the boys on Soccer Saturday. Yeah, um, I was in my flat cleaning it up because I had a bit of a disaster the week before. And um, I thought, right, let's just have the telly on in the background whilst I do my housework. No, nothing got done. I could not take my eyes off the television. At this stage of the season, you've got to realise when you sit down to watch a football match, it means something for either side. It means everything for some sides in particular. And, And you find yourself kind of, I've got no preference towards 
QPR or Reading staying up. But you sit down, you think, yeah, come on, right, QPR, they can do it. Yeah, go, Harry. And the next minute, you're, oh, Reading, oh, Reading could be in this. It was a really exciting weekend of football. Love the Manchester United-Arsenal game. I had United down as having a win because I did think they would go on to register the highest points ever uh, by a team in the Premier League, of course, since Chelsea did it and go and beat that record. Uh, but that's not looking like it's going to happen now, is it? Which is a bit of a shame. But Brentford, oh my goodness, Brentford Doncaster. I don't think we saw that one coming. What an unbelievable Jeff game that was, wasn't it? I think it's fair to use that phrase when you talk about this game. Nil-nil, final nine seconds of the game. In fact, it was injury time, wasn't it? Brentford awarded a penalty, hit the bar, bounced off. Doncaster came onto it. The chairman was sat there. Head in hands, the fans had turned their backs, they were feeling sick, absolutely hating what they were seeing because they couldn't believe that in the last few seconds of the game they missed the chance to go and win and then it was going to finish in a draw. Oh, but no, Doncaster went and won it, didn't they, in the very, very final second of the game by absolutely bombing down the pitch and scoring off the back of the missed penalty. You just couldn't make it up. It was a fantastic game and a fantastic moment in football and we're used to these moments, of course, at the end of the season as we regularly see fans trip off to matches with transistor radios pressed to their ear or perhaps their telephones now. Perhaps perhaps I'm still living in the 1890s. This takes us on to our first topic, agony and ecstasy. So as Hayley's described, moment. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay. Hello, the Offside Rule returns for another week. We're up to a quarter century worth of programmes, if that's such a thing. Episode 25 today, and Kate Borsay here in charge of the microphone. Lindsay Hooper's away in Russia. She's being looked after by our Russian Premier League expert. You'll hear more from her later on, actually, Kate Partridge. Goodness knows what Lindsay Hooper's going to get up to in Russia. I just hope she returns in one piece. Hayley McQueen joins me as ever, and we're also joined by Laura Williamson from the Daily Mail. It's lovely to have you on, Laura. Let's establish a few football credentials. Of course, you're a football writer and sports writer for the Mail, um, but you're also a Grimsby fan as well. I am, yes. And uh, unfortunately, we um, we lost to Newport County in the uh, playoffs on Sunday. So uh, another season out of the Football League. Um, heartbreaking, but what can you do? Well, you had more than enough years there. 117 years in the Football League. You're going to be playing uh, conference football once again, though. Um, my friend's dad spent some time as director of football at uh, Grimsby, only a short while, and her and her sister went up to support their dad, went up to Blundell Park and said that they'd never quite been anywhere like it. That sounds about right. I've got <laughs> f- fond, fond memories. I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. Home and away for about three or four seasons, and yeah, that was the highlight of my TV. <laughs> sadly enough. Well, from the mighty Mariners to the mighty McQueen, who joins us uh, fresh from the PFA Awards. Congratulations to Gareth Bale, of course. PFA Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year, voted for by his fellow professionals. The talking point before was the Luis Suarez affair and whether he should have still been on that shortlist for the awards. But during the awards ceremony and after the awards ceremony, there was an entirely different news story coming out of that. This is such an awkward one, isn't it? Because they decided to have entertainment. They had these wonderful football freestylers. They had Misha B. It was a really glitzy event. It was celebrating 40 years of the awards of the PFA. And they had a comedian who obviously somebody booked from the PFA thinking, I've seen this guy, I've looked him up, we've seen him on television. He's a funny guy. He's probably going to come out with something slightly controversial, but 
it might just kind of break the ice and, 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 and help the evening kind of flow along and, you know, just get everybody belly laughing. There weren't any laughs at all, I'm afraid to say. Poor Clark Carlisle, who's come out and unreservedly apologised for the comedian and his language and the, 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 the sketch that he came out with. They obviously didn't expect him to do that. They had said, apparently, that um, they'd given him guidelines. He wasn't supposed to be swearing. He wasn't supposed to be using certain language and what have you. But he maybe thought, the comedian, that, oh, football, big group, thousands of, you know, blokes, they'll all just get stuck in. I can, you know, come out with my humour and hit them with my best. And it just didn't work. Uh, I think we were all just kind of sat there, just mouths open, just wondering what on earth was going on. It didn't get better after that. I think the comedian himself even kind of walked off and shook his head and just said, oh, he made a joke about leaving the stage and saying goodbye. And he said, oh, that's that's the best laugh I've had all night. Well, the mistake's sure not to be repeated there by the PFA. Who knows, maybe they'll scrap the entertainment altogether. Let's tell you what's coming up in this entertaining episode of the Offside Rule podcast. Our first topic, agony and ecstasy. After what happened uh, to Brentford and Doncaster in League One at the weekend. And goodness me, uh, Rich, who was uh, working on our social media on Saturday, had a, had a fine old time of it as he was trying to work out who was going up, who was going down. Down and what the ramifications were. Uh, high drama indeed in League One, so that forms the basis of our topic one, where we're going to describe another moment in football uh, where it's all come down to last-minute dramatics. Say what is uh, our topic number two? Perhaps I should give Hayley McQueen the microphone for this <laughs> thing as she's just come back from America. Say what? Uh, so after the the football managers came out with the usual responses after the weekend's games, you know, we've heard them all before. Um, how inappropriate was it then for Newcastle's Stephen Taylor to say after their defeat, their, their heavy defeat as well, to Liverpool that it felt like a family death? Hmm, maybe crossing the line a bit there. Uh, so we'll talk about some other inappropriate things that are said in football. We've got Faker Others with her non-league roundup. Uh, I'm going to be doing a quick roundup of the FAWSL. No games in that league per se, but a few things to mention there for you. And our final topic, through gritted teeth. Now, this is on the back of uh, Arsenal, who had to give Manchester United players a guard of honour at the weekend. They wouldn't have enjoyed doing that, uh, despite the false smiles on some of the players' faces. Uh, so uh, an example or two, ladies, uh, of when you or when in football uh, you've seen people have to grit their teeth. We've got our Twitter topic of the week. And as I mentioned earlier, Kate Partridge is back with her most excellent Russian Premier League. Uh, don't forget, you can download us every week on SoundCloud. We're also on iTunes. Tunes. Give us a follow and do message us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod, and you can also find us on Facebook as well, The Offside Rule. Hi, I'm Phil Thompson, and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Let's just start with a quick recap on the weekend's games because it's very much crunch time. In fact, some of the uh, domestic seasons are over for some leagues. Uh, but in the Premier League, let's talk about this first of all as Liverpool trounced Newcastle. And that won't do very much for Newcastle, will it, in this uh, run-up to the end of the season, Laura? No, they're very, very much back in it. Um, they've got to play Arsenal as well still. I mean, they are, they've been dragged back into it, haven't they? Slowly but surely. Uh, they just haven't been able to get away from that. It's about five points off the it they are, I think, now. Um, it's it just hasn't worked there, has it? With all the French internationals brought in, they've been dreadfully unlucky with injuries. You look at the spine of the team last season that 
hasn't they haven't been able to play together again and he's and Alan Pardew sitting on an eight-year contract I mean that was it was sort of raised eyebrows when it happened um and now very much so they're being sucked in Sunderland after um at the result at Aston Villa I mean no one I think saw that one coming I don't think anyone knew Villa could play quite like that um so very much in the mix and then um, with Wigan and the FA Cup final, you wonder what factor that will be as well. Yeah, Wigan um, right in it. They could only manage a draw against Tottenham. Of course, that fantastic result on Monday night. Villa 6-1 against Sunderland. Benteke very much ruling the second half there. Hayley, did you catch any of the action at the weekend? I did actually, yeah. I watched Manchester United Arsenal. I also watched Chelsea before that. I watched QPR Reading on Saturday, of course. I was watching Jeff Stelling and the boys on Soccer Saturday. Yeah, um, I was in my flat cleaning it up because I had a bit of a disaster the week before. And um, I thought, right, let's just have the telly on in the background whilst I do my housework. No, nothing got done. I could not take my eyes off the television. At this stage of the season, you've got to realise when you sit down to watch a football match, it means something for either side. It means everything for some sides in particular. And, And you find yourself kind of, I've got no preference towards QPR or Reading staying up but you sit down and you think yeah come on right QPR they can do it yeah go Harry and then the next minute you're, oh Reading oh, Reading could be in this it was a really exciting weekend of football love the Manchester United Arsenal game I had United down as having a win because I did think they w- would go on to register the highest points ever uh, by a team in the Premier League of course since Chelsea did it and go and beat that record uh, but that's not looking like it's going to happen now is it which is a bit of a shame but Brentford oh my goodness Brentford Doncaster I don't think we saw that one coming. What an unbelievable Jeff game that was, wasn't it? I think it's fair to use that phrase when you talk about this game. Nil-nil, final dying seconds of the game. In fact, it was injury time, wasn't it? Brentford awarded a penalty, hit the bar, bounced off. Doncaster (laughs) came onto it. The chairman was sat there. Head in hands, the fans had turned their backs, they were feeling sick, absolutely hating what they were seeing because they couldn't believe that in the last few seconds of the game they missed the chance to go and win and then it was going to finish in a draw. Oh, but no, Doncaster went and won it, didn't they, in the very, very final second of the game by absolutely bombing down the pitch and scoring off the back of the missed penalty. You just couldn't make it up. It was a fantastic game and a fantastic moment in football and we're used to these moments, of course, at the end of the season as we regularly see fans trip off to matches with transistor radios pressed to their ear or perhaps their telephones now. Perhaps perhaps I'm still living in the 1890s. This takes us on to our first topic, agony and ecstasy. So as Haley's described, moments of high drama there in League One. Brentford now in the playoffs. Uh, Doncaster go up as League One champions and uh, Bournemouth go up as runners-up in that league and we'll have to see where the fate of uh, the playoffs lies uh, in the next few weeks. So ladies, describe one other moment in football where it's all come down to last-minute dramatic edge of the seat euphoria and heartbreak Laura I'll start with you well I I'll always remember I think I was probably watching soccer Saturday at the time um 1999 Jimmy Glass do you remember the goalkeeper for Carlisle that 94th minute Carlisle going out the football league after however many years charges up the field heads a corner in scores the pitch is invaded it all goes mental and yeah it was Jimmy Glass immortalised. Um, but then he couldn't get a game for anyone after that. <laughs> Forever, could he? <laughs> I think he ended up as a taxi driver in Dorset. Shows you the highs and lows. But it was, it was, it was just extraordinary because it was 
you know, stoppage time, the goalkeeper, all those factors, because you need all that, don't you, to get the absolute agony and ecstasy element. An exciting moment. I'll pass on to Hayley McQueen with yours. Mine's going along a theme of fans leaving a game thinking it's been wrapped up or you've completely, completely out of it. I'm going to a game that um, happened in the FA Cup. Manchester City, of course, in the final this year. Let's go back to 2004. It was a replay between Manchester City and Tottenham. I'm not talking football league here. I've got an FA Cup kind of feel to my um, stories today. And it was Tottenham 3-0 up at the break. And it was one of my favourite kind of stories of a quote that came from a manager. Kevin Keegan at the time said to his coach, uh, Derek Vazakali, as they uh, came back out for the second half, 3-0 down, 10 men. He said, where's the nearest job centre? And um, Kevin Keegan said, wow, it was the cup tie of my lifetime. At halftime, we were playing for pride and looking for a miracle. Manchester City fans had left. Tottenham were 3-0 up. Manchester City beat them 4-3. Final goal, the goal that wrapped it all up, coming again in the dying seconds of the game. Who'd have thought it? that that could actually happen. Sean Wright Phillips levelled. It was um, Jonathan Mackin heading in with a late winner and Manchester City fans, who were a very different side, of course, back in 2004, contrast them to now. But, I mean, that was one of the biggest wins ever. So there you have it. That was one of my kind of games where the last-minute dramatics completely turned things around because who would have thought against it? It was a really strong Tottenham side as well. 3-0 down at half-time. Those fans, I hope, have learnt their lesson because City, in recent years, have got on to do very similar things where they have got last-minute goals, turned things around and created history, and the fans have missed out. Naughty fans. Um, Laura, you've been to tons of games. What's it like uh, being at games where there's you know crucial, crucial points, crucial results at stake from a journalistic point of view? Well, it's horrendous to be honest because my uh, my first edition match report's gone at seventy minutes, so then everything else is on the phone um, after that before I can do a rewrite, and it's oh, it's awful because you're thinking p- people in Cornwall are going to think I'm stupid on the first hand <laughs> because you just got to shove the you know the score in at the top. Um, but the one the one I remember is um, Fulham in the Europa League final in 2010. I'd followed them all the way through from July, and then they got to um, stoppage time, and then Atletico Madrid and Diego Forlan and pounce and it was but because we'd I mean I'm, I'm not a film supporter but I'd invested so much time and effort in you were just willing them to do it and then to be snatched away by that bloke in a headband after all of that was just heartbreaking it really was to add insult it had to be a bloke in a headband didn't it <laughs> if you're female it would probably be a woman with extensions blonde highlights and a full face of makeup I presume <laughs> Uh, Well, being a Liverpool fan, I've experienced a few highs and lows, of course. Uh, The 88-89 title decider went down to the final dying moments of the game between Arsenal and Liverpool as to who was going to take the title. Michael Thomas shoved one in the back of the net for Arsenal and we lost out on a double. The Champions League final 2005, a terrific high. And talk about fans leaving. Of course, a lot of Liverpool fans had left that game already at half-time and a lot of Liverpool fans watching the game in pubs around the country had thrown in the towel and uh, stropped off home only to return home to the wife saying, you must put the football on! But the one I want to mention is uh, is in 2004-2005. I was working for TalkSport TV at this time and I had to be across all of this. On the last day of the season, there were still four teams who were all possibly going to be relegated from the Premier League. Um, so the four teams in danger, Norwich, Southampton, Crystal Palace and West Brom. And a Norwich win would put the other three three teams to bed. So, you know, if you're Norwich, easy remit here, get a win and all three other sides go down. 
But it wasn't that simple, was it? West Brom, who were down, who were at the bottom of the Premier League at Christmas, and so therefore statistically would be the ones to go down, didn't. They defied the odds in this season. I'm sure uh, a lot of our listeners remember this. Um, Having been bottom at Christmas, they needed a home win over Portsmouth, um, who weren't keen, of course, on doing Southampton, their rivals, a favour, coupled with drop points from other three sides to be safe. So a huge calculation of things needed to happen for West Brom to be safe. But they did happen. The Baggies won 2-0. There were defeats for Norwich, Southampton and a draw for Palace. And all of that meant that the Baggies stayed in the Premier League and Norwich, Southampton and Crystal Palace all went down. I remember reporting on it from a studio and just desperately trying to keep on top of everything, having a producer shouting it in my ear. This has happened now. This is this is the latest state of play. This is what's going on. Um, and it was great. It was really, really great to report on. The female take on football. Let's do a few commiserations and congratulations now um, because quite a few teams have gone up or down uh, in the Football League uh, and uh, League One and League Two, of course, wrapped up their their, uh, final weekend of fixtures. It's now playoff time for them. So as we've mentioned, Doncaster, congratulations to them. League One champions. Bournemouth go up automatically in that second spot. Um, Rotherham played Aldershot at the weekend uh, in League Two. That fixture saw Rotherham promoted to League One and the shots relegated uh, to the non-league. Port Vale also confirmed their promotion. QPR and Reading, it was a really insipid game. It was a game without passion, wasn't it, in the Premier League at the weekend? Both exit the Premier League. Um, Scunthorpe joined the three teams already relegated from League One. And Barnet will be playing in the conference next season, still with Edgar Davids in tow. Um, have you met him before, Laura? I have, yes. I um, I ghostwrite his column um, for Mail Online, and uh, <laughs> which you can imagine is quite a challenge sometimes. And I've got to do one, I think, in the next couple of weeks uh, after his relegation. So, yeah, that will be very interesting. He, um, I just love the fact he um, said to the FA that it was mistaken identity for his second yellow card in a match a few weeks ago. Edgar Davids, the most recognisable <laughs> footballer on the planet. I thought it was brilliant, but you've got to admire his audacity, to be perfectly honest. Excellent. I look forward to hearing more Edgar David's stories from you. If he doesn't jump ship, of course. Gosh, it's close in the championship, isn't it? And we'll finish on this one. Just one point separates Watford and Hull for that second automatic promotion spot. So it'll all come down to the final game of the season this weekend. Uh, as will the final two relegation spaces. They're between three teams at the moment, Peterborough, Barnsley and Wolves. So Haley, we'll have to uh, check in next week or in the next few weeks to see if our tips for up and down throughout the leagues are correct. I almost don't really want to. What about my tip around about January that Middlesbrough are going to go up? Oh, how you scoff and laugh in my face. This, that's right. It's fine. We've had an absolute disaster. Played Charlton at the weekend. I had loads of friends who went and just said it's just the most depressing place to be at the Riverside at the moment. So I'm already thinking of next season and already getting my head together and deciding on my shopping list. And Janino was actually back at the weekend. The biggest hero, the biggest littlest hero ever to come out of uh, Middlesbrough. He's like an adopted son. I was thinking, God, just get your boots on. <laughs> you might as well. Anything can go there at the moment. But yeah, you, you can you can laugh at me for that one. Yes, I might even have said, say what? And uh, that is uh, our topic too. So uh, the managers put out the usual reactions after the weekend's results. Harry Redknapp, there's a lot of work to be done next year, said Harry. Uh, Arsene Wenger, no more room for errors, of course, as they try and maintain uh, that top four position. Uh, Newcastle Stephen Taylor, however, may have just pushed it slightly too far by saying that Newcastle's heavy loss to Liverpool felt like a family death. And 
And I read that one and I just thought, hmm, that's slightly crossing the line there, Stephen Taylor. Thank you very much. So let's talk about inappropriate things that are said in football. And these can be funny, amusing or just downright stupid. Who knows? Uh, Laura, I'll pass the mic to you. Um, Two, if I'm allowed. My my personal gripe is when people say um, he's a real football man. Because what on earth does that mean? <laughs> I mean? Does he look like a football? Does it? It just it winds me up so much because it's just it's just taken as a given. He's a football man, right? Okay. Um, I think, but one of my favourites was uh, Harry Redknapp to Darren Bent. Um, oh, yeah. My missus could have scored that. I mean, poor Sandra. That's just <laughs> it's just unfair on her, isn't it? And then that's Darren Bent's Tottenham career over and done with. We all love that comment and. We love Twitter for this as well, of course, because via the medium of Twitter, footballers can say the most ridiculous things, can't they? Uh, Hayley, let's find out what you've got for us. Mine is our favourite man who was imported and exported straight out of the Premier League, Mario Balotelli. Oh, oh. I, I'm bringing this up because I just can't believe he said it. But do you know what? It's Balotelli. Of course I can believe he said it. But I'm, I'm quite angry about this comment. And I feel really sorry for his poor girlfriend, who's probably still with him now, maybe not even realising what he said to Real Madrid players. Balotelli has apparently taunted the Real Madrid players. He's told Ronaldo and his teammates that they can sleep with his girlfriend if they beat Dortmund. He boasted about how gorgeous his girlfriend was, who's called Fanny Negoesha. So you can imagine the British press, some certain newspapers, picking up... (laughs) on this and making a bit of a joke out of it, which it isn't really a joke. It's not a very nice thing to say. And he's basically treating his girlfriend just like a piece of meat that can be passed around. But maybe he's saying it because he's he realises and thinks that there's not a chance in hell that Real Madrid are going to be beating Dortmund. So as we know, 4-1 from the first leg. They're heading into that to try and turn it around. Mario Balotelli doesn't think they're going to do it. But if they do, he's offering up his girlfriend. I mean... Why does he even think that... Why would you just come out with that? Why would you tell people that in public? Surely you know that when you're saying it, it's a hugely offensive thing and that your girlfriend's probably going to dump you because she's so offended by it. Let's hope that she does. Go Fanny. Uh, Laura, have you had anything to do with uh, our lovely Super Mario? I thought you were going to say that I had anything to do with this girlfriend then. <laughs> <laughs> I um, only come into uh, Manchester City when they're in when they're in London, but uh, but watch from afar. I mean, what a pantomime! What a pantomime! Driving up to training in that horrendous matte army coloured um, car that he had, just awful. But I think we miss him though, don't we? And his ridiculous comments. I actually wondered for a moment back in January how on earth we were going to keep the podcast going without him in our <laughs> leagues, but somehow. He's made it via the internet, via the newspapers, still into the podcast. Uh, Now, here's a phrase for you. Well, let me find out what you two would say. There's a something at the end of the tunnel. This is often used in football, you know, phrase. Uh, Hayley, what would you say could be possibly at the end of the tunnel? Chocolate? No, I'm light. Any advances, Laura? It's got to be light, surely. Not if you're Stuart Pearce. He told us that there was a carrot at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) That's Stuart Pearce. I uh, I interviewed him the other day and he was talking about the under-21s and um, what a lovely group of lads they are. And he said, um, you know, they're they're just not even, it's not just that they're good footballers, they're just lovely, lovely guys, you know, the sort you'd want your daughter to bring home. I mean, my daughter's 14, so I wouldn't want her to bring one of them home, but you know what I mean. So (laughs) his his metaphors aren't perhaps the best. Yeah, hold off on that, Stuart Pearce. A 
carrots at the end of the tunnel. Don't involve your daughter in any conversation, please. My other one is my absolutely favourite wag quote. And I know that that we gave uh, football as the premise for this. But of course, by association, Carly Zucker, Joel Cole's wife. She's now Carly Cole. And it's a good job she is now Carly Cole. And I will tell you why. This was a moment from I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, in which Carly featured a few years ago now. I was blown away, she said. The first time I travelled in first and business class with Joe, I kept saying things like, wow, you get silver cutlery. Wow, you get a starter and a main course. Wow, you even get china plates. Doesn't take much to impress her, does it? But I'll carry on. I had tea or coffee served to me, but when I got the sugar out, I couldn't believe that they personalised the packs. I said, oh my God, Joe, they personalise your sugar. To what extent do these people go? There's all this poverty in the world and then they go and do this. He looked at me and he said, babe, your name is Zucker. That means sugar in German. I turned the sachet over and it said sugar in English on the other side. And that's when it clicked. Oh, bless her. I think that's too cute. (laughs) <laughs> no no okay I love Carly Zucker for that comment only Carly Zucker could have thought that they personalised the sugar because her name is the same as sugar in German uh, that's a brilliant wag comment isn't it Laura it's absolutely sensational um, another one I took it's not just the wags that are perhaps not the brightest sometimes Grimsby um, had a player called Tony Gallimore who's a left back who just used to shove the ball either straight up the field or just pass it inside. Yeah, that were, there was two moves. And the um, the team went to see Titanic um, when it was out at the, uh, at the cinema. So we were talking a while ago and they came out and they were like, oh, that was good, wasn't it? And he said, you know, right up until the end, I thought they were all going to survive. You, you couldn't make it up, could you? All righty. From say what to what you're saying, Faye Carruthers, she joins us for her non-league roundup. Over to you, Faye. The female take on football. Thanks very much, ladies. Well, we're nearing the end of the Blue Square Bet Premier season and we now know the two teams who are going to be battling it out on Sunday, the 5th of May, to join Mansfield in the Football League. It was the second legs of the playoff semi-finals on Sunday. Newport and Wrexham had both taken 1-0 advantages into the second legs and they held out to set up a final at Wembley, effectively of third versus fifth. Newport beat Grimsby 2-0 on aggregate and Wrexham saw off Kidderminster 5-2 on aggregate after a 3-1 win at Agbra. Away from the playoffs, clubs are already releasing and signing players. Loads of transfer news around. But the other story of the week is Ebbsfleet releasing a statement denying they're in administration. They were, of course, relegated and admit to cash flow problems. But it is a situation they're trying to sort out with HMRC to ensure the future of the club. Now, I know you're about to talk about gritted teeth moments. I've got too many to mention. But uh, seeing as it's playoff time, I'm going to mention both my Luton playoff final experiences. First was having to congratulate AFC Wimbledon president Dickie Guy after we lost on penalties to them. He's such a nice man, but it was very hard two minutes after that winning penalty went in to go up to him and say, well done, even though they had played better uh, during the season. They didn't necessarily deserve it in the final. The second one was last season having to congratulate York fans when their first goal was actually offside. Uh, The only person to not realise that was the referee. But maybe I'm just a bitter Luton fan. 
I'm definitely just a bit of Luton fan. Anyway, good luck to Wrexham and Newport fans with the nerve jangling on Sunday. I'll bring you news of the winner of that playoff final next week. Thanks very much, Faye Carruthers. Let's do a quick round-up of uh, what's happening in women's football at the moment. We normally speak about the uh, FAWSL, but let's have a quick mention of uh, the FA Cup because both Bristol Academy and Arsenal have made it through to the FA Cup final. Bristol Academy beating Lincoln 2-0 at the weekend. Uh, and it's their Spanish strikers, Natalia and Laura Del Rio, who are really doing it for them. Do you remember their manager, Mark Sampson, came out at the beginning of the season? He, he likened Natalia to a female meat chew. Uh, well, she's certainly showing the goods at the moment. Mark Sampson uh, featured in our last uh, podcast for his lucky tactics Tactics board looks like it's doing the stuff for him and Arsenal. They're in their 13th FA Women's Cup final. They achieved a narrow 2-1 win against Liverpool ladies. Kim Little, PFA Women's Player of the Year. And we should have mentioned Kim right at the start, of course. Kim Little. Uh, second was Jess Fishlock, who, of course, plays over in America right now. And third is one of our faves, Tony Duggan from Everton ladies. So congratulations, girls. Sorry we didn't get that out earlier. Um, but yes, uh, so Kim Little restored uh, Arsenal's lead after they were drawing one all against against Liverpool. So the FA Cup final uh, is going to be played at the Keepmoat Stadium on 26th of May, Bristol Academy versus Arsenal. Congratulations to Manchester City ladies. They're going to be featuring in the WSL next year. There are going to be two tiers next year and Manchester City will be in the top tier at the expense of Doncaster uh, and Doncaster Bells manager John Buckley not happy about the timing of that announcement right at this point in the season that they're going to be playing in the second tier. And a bit of good news here on the 2013 Women's European Football Championship. Uh, quite a few of those games are going to be featuring on BBC Three and on uh, BBC Two as well this summer. All kicks off in July, a final on the 28th of July. So we look forward to seeing more women's football on the box this summer. Now, one of the highlights for me for that uh, Arsenal-Manchester United game was the fact that Robin Van Persie went into the wrong changing room on camera. It was like, oh! Oh dear. But the game was a talking point, not only, of course, because uh, Manchester United, as Hayley mentioned, aiming to get the highest points total ever and Arsenal desperate to hold on to that top four position, but also because Arsenal players had to give Manchester United players a guard of honour. I wonder how many of those players had gritted teeth. So, ladies, another couple of examples, please, of when other people or yourself have had to grit your teeth and get on with it. Hayley. Going to matches with my friends in Manchester when half of us are Manchester United red and some of us are Manchester City blue, or some of them, I should say. My friend's husband, he's a diehard Manchester City fan, has followed them since he was a little boy, um, came with his friend. I got them some tickets to come and watch Manchester City versus United a couple of seasons ago, FA Cup semi-final. They were looking for their first spot in a final for 30 years. And Manchester United, well, they didn't win, did they? No, no, they didn't. And wasn't I taunted for it it was just horrific but they celebrated like they'd won the FA Cup it was just not a nice day I felt sick I just didn't think Manchester United were going to lose it there was no Wayne Rooney we did have Dimitar Berbatov we had a player sent off quite rightly so Paul Scholes you naughty man and they went and won it it was Yaya Toure with the goal actually that uh, put them through to the final of course but it's so hard when you do go to a football match with a group of friends and you You all have the same pre-match build-up. You all go to the same kind of pubs. You all eat the same food. You're all discussing the same things and having a bit of light-hearted banter between you. You come to the match. You have the same kind of feelings throughout the game until obviously it comes towards the end and you know who's going to go on and win it. And then afterwards, the mood just changes. It's really weird. And these are your best of friends, yet things just change. It's like, 
I'm not involving him in the round at the bar. You don't want to buy him that celebratory drink. You don't, you don't, you don't want to go to the same places. And it is really, really hard and seeing sort of all those fans leaving the stadium, absolutely celebrating, all heading back to the same place on the same road, all the way back up to the northwest of England. And then the other half of Manchester, of course, doing the same journey, but just with very, very different feelings. It wasn't very nice, but... There you go. It was the start of Manchester City and kind of their uh, move up the table and their move forward in the FA Cup. And we've seen how far they've come since. I thought, flash in the pan, one season, that'll be it. They'll come crashing down. Money can't buy you success. (laughs) All it has, hasn't it? Apart from this season. Sorry, boys. But they probably will go on and win the FA Cup, I think. There you go. I didn't enjoy that. That was all done through gritted teeth and I wasn't very sportsmanlike afterwards. It's different when you're reporting on a game because you have like a professional head on but when you've let yourself go and you've had a couple of drinks it takes on a whole different kind of emotional feeling doesn't it um laura give us some of your gritted teeth moments the one the thing that's getting me at the moment is players not celebrating against former clubs it it winds me up beyond compare i can't even explain because i mean van Persie must have been dancing inside on sunday and he but it, it, it's they're consciously not celebrating they do that face don't they that's that sort of deep breath but actually they really should be skipping around and winding everyone up even more so that that's my absolute gritted teeth personal bugbear at the moment I did love a couple of weeks ago though his um, when he got his scoring boots back on his his sort of hug of Sir Alex Ferguson he you know he jumped up on him a bit like a father meeting a son after the son's been travelling for 18 months like thank <laughs> god you're alive thank god you can score uh, absolutely brilliant alright well I'll give you a few of my uh, gritted teeth moments you know if I were certain sets of football fans I would have had to really just grit my teeth and let the team get on with it Nottingham Forest fans they've had uh, five different managers in the last two years various situations going on with ownership and chairman there they've had to grit their teeth haven't they and get on with it Rangers fans as well they've had to go from watching their club play in the Scottish Premier League down to the third division you know they've had to grit their teeth and just get on with that season as the club make their way back through the leagues Okay, well, from uh, slightly annoying things that are said to us in football uh, to your opinions as you got involved with the Twitter topic of the week. Really good reaction this week. Thank you very much, everyone, for getting in touch on at Offside Rule Pod. The question, we wanted to know current players uh, within your club or uh, other clubs in your league who you think will go on to become club greats. This is after uh, Vicky Allvoice, uh, Sun Sports writer, lady that we all know, tweeted that Bobby Tambling was watching uh, at Stamford Bridge as Lampard uh, went up to 201 goals at the weekend. He needs one more goal to draw level with Bobby Tambling's record of all-time leading scorer for Chelsea. So which players are going to become legends at your football club, folks, and you've been getting involved here on Twitter. Brent Hartland says Ricky Lambert has in his short time at Saints become legend similar to the previous owner of the number seven shirt. We all know who that is, of course. Pedro Martins up next, who's tweeted us on at Offside Rule Pod. Currently at Benfica, he's a Brazilian defender. Lucio, 300 plus games, 30 goals, seven titles, 10 years of service, one for the ages. Thanks very much, Pedro, for that. Gary Johnson's got involved at Gaza Joino. And he said Casper Schmeichel, LCFC legend. Too early for that, maybe? I don't know. Uh, we've also got uh, Chris Chowen saying it has to be the evergreen Ryan Giggs. couple of votes coming in for Ryan Giggs. Dom J. Carter at journo underscore Dom says, how about England? Steph Houghton took a huge step in increasing awareness of the women's game through uh, the Olympics. Tashinardi says uh, Inigo Calderon at Brighton 
great player and does award-winning work in the local community in his spare time. Uh, Dan Young's also been in touch uh, and he says, still rate Tyler as one of the best keepers I've seen at Luton in 15 years or so. That's Faker Brothers giving us a few Luton fan listeners to the podcast there. John Austin, thanks for getting in touch. Uh, at the John Dog says the man of the moment... Gareth Bale, one of the best I've seen in a Spurs shirt. So he thinks Gareth Bale's going to stay at Spurs and become a legend there. Sebastian Gonzalez has said soon to be England and Manchester United captain Phil Jones. Uh, that gets his vote. And Richard Buxton, if he sticks around, Luis Suarez will become a Liverpool legend. But will it be a legend for the right reasons? All right, let's head over to Russia now. The fabulous Kate Partridge is accommodating Lindsay Hooper this week. So goodness knows what the girls are going to be getting up to in Russia. Apparently the, the snow and ice has only just started thawing, according to Kate. Which is excellent. Just the right kind of ice to put into your vodka. Hi, I'm Matt Letissier, and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Three girls talking about football. Hello everyone. Well, with four games to go in the Russian Premier League, there's nothing resolved and all to play for. Three weeks ago, Tiska were eight points clear and galloping towards the title. But two draws and a 2-0 loss at Rubin has seen that lead cut to three points. Defending champion Zanit could have made it just one had they won their 2-2 draw at Kuban. But 16 points from a possible 18 and a kinder run-in means the St Petersburg side could pinch a third straight crown. If they don't, they could blame that fan who threw the flare that hit the keeper that gave Dinamo victory to flatten the house that Luciana Spalletti built. With the top two set for the Champions League, a plethora of sides are vying for the Europa League. Gusiding Sanji remain third but are in free fall. One win in eight and their lead over Spartak slashed to three points after Valeri Karpin's side beat them 2-0. The coach might be heading for a three-match touchline ban, but Karpin is taking his cue from Chechen leader Ramzan Kadyrov. I'll manage them via the microphone. That's now acceptable, smiled Karpin, referring to Kadyrov's now infamous commandeering of the PA system to abuse a startled referee of a recent Tourette game. Doughty Rabin occupy the fifth and last European spot and are unbeaten in seven. Dan Petrescu's indestructible Dinama, early contenders for relegation, are now sixth and undefeated in 12, with Tarek and Kuban in hot pursuit. At the bottom, Alanya and Mordovia are all but down, with Krilia, Volga, Amkar and Rostov all scrapping to avoid relegation by playoff. But it's not over until the fat lady sings, if she can get the mic off Valeri Karpin. For more on Russian football, please follow me at Kate Partridge RT. But for now, it's thus with Anya. That's it for this week's Offside Rule podcast. Don't forget you can download us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Give us a follow at Offside Rule Pod. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page as well, The Offside Rule. And you can get in touch with us at any time, by the way, folks. Hayley, thank you very much for your sterling effort today. It's been wonderful, haven't I? I've not been terrible. I waffle on. I'm sorry about that, Fox. I just cut it out later. It's fine. No one has any idea how much of a waffler you are, McQueen. And Laura Williamson, too. How have you found your debut performance as the extra leg of our triumvirate? I'll leave that for others to judge, but I just want to apologise for getting Grimsby in so many times. And really, I know it's not glamorous at all, and I apologise. Nothing like the Mighty Mariners and the best fish and chips in the league, so I hear. OK, well, that concludes today's podcast. Thanks very much, folks. Give us a listen. Give us a follow. Give us a plug. Why not? And uh, we'll see you next week. The Offside Rule. We get it. With-